Listener Production. Hello, everyone. Happy Pinktober. We've got a special little treat for you this week. As you know, I've been revisiting some of our classic stories and giving you all a few updates on them over the last few weeks while Rosie's taking some time out to get healthy. And this week, I've brought someone in to help bring you the latest developments in one of our favourite sagas in all of history, the feud between Stuart Semple and Anish Kapoor. And of course, no one could do a better job of bringing us up to speed than our hero, Stuart Semple himself. So I asked him if he'd like to make a special guest appearance and he was thrilled to have the chance to talk to all you listeners directly and tell you himself about what he's been up to. The feud with Bean Boy is ongoing, so of course we'll talk about that, but there's also so much other impressive and fun stuff that Stuart's been working on. I know you'll love hearing him speak about what he's been up to over the last 18 months. So we'll play the original episode first, which we originally released in May 2020. Totally up to you if you want to listen to it again. I know many of you have already heard it several times by now. It's one of your faves as well as one of our faves. We'll put the time code in the show notes for where the interview starts. If you do want to skip straight to that to just get the latest from Stuart, totally fine. But I do recommend listening all the way through and hearing the older episode first because I was surprised that even I'd forgotten about some of Stuart's capers until I re listened to it recently. Like, the jars of diamond dust shattered glass that would rip your fingers to shreds if you stuck them in there like Kapoor did with his illicitly acquired jar of pink as pink. And honestly, I just think the story never gets old. It's absolutely worth a listen if you're keen, but if you want to skip ahead, look in the show notes, you'll know exactly where to go. Before we proceed, I just want to share some very good news that as of today, which is Tuesday the 5th of October that I'm recording this, Rosie is now in a much better clinic. It took about a week longer than we expected and it hasn't been an easy process, but she's finally there and she's far more confident she's going to get good quality care and treatment there. So she should be back with us in another few weeks. And also when you're listening to the interview, I hope you enjoy the faint sounds of the rainforest in the background. I am still lucky enough to be in the tropics of far north Queensland. I have left my treehouse hermit hut though. I was there in the abandoned yoga retreat paradise for a solid six weeks and I loved it but as Rosie predicted I did maybe start to go a little bit Jack Nicholson in The Shining. So thank you to everyone who sent concerned messages about my welfare, who was checking in with me to see if I was okay in my rainforest bunker. Yes, I was, but I've got back out on the road to explore. I've been moving around for the last couple of weeks. I've seen some incredible new places that have exceeded all expectations. Honestly, I want to write a travel guide book for far north Queensland. It's just heaven up here. I have to say though, nothing beats the Great Barrier Reef, and you all need to make it a top priority to come and see it as soon as you can. I've been out there almost 20 times now, and it still blows my mind every time. And when you do, I got to recommend Passions of Paradise for dive and snorkel tours. They're based in Cairns. They've got such a stunning sailboat to take you out to the reef. Their team are all super friendly and really funny. The sites they go to are just superb and they're also doing a lot to help protect and rejuvenate the reef 
as well. So I'm going to put their website in the show notes for you so you can check them out and start making yourself a holiday plan because hopefully it's looking like it won't be too long till Australia opens up again. Okay, that's more than enough for me. Let's go ahead and kick off with the original episode about the feud between grown men over who could use what colors in their paintings. And then straight after that, my chat with Stuart Semple. Enjoy. Oh, I can relax for this one. Hold on. Let me just settle right in here. <laughs> Stop man spreading a bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm going to make you seem especially educated and elitist because I'm going to give you just the gist about a story that takes place in the world of modern art. Ooh. See, I feel like that's the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this, but I bet you'll make me like it. I feel like you will. I'm calling this one All the Petty Colours because it's about the world's silliest feud between Anish Kapoor and Stuart Semple. Okay, I don't know who those people are because Mm. I'm not sophisticated in any way, but I love that you come up with, like, cute little pun titles for all your episodes. (laughs) Like, because I never do that. I just call it the thing. I'm like, Anna Delvey, Bernie Madoff, Billionaire Boys Club, whatever. Like, so I don't... Well, confession, the titles for my first two episodes were stolen from Schitt's Creek. (laughs) This is the first one I've made up myself. Uh, We're going to have to give you a pay rise because you're doing episodes all the time now. At (sighs) first it was just like a lol special treat because I couldn't be bothered doing one. But now I like getting to relax. Going to be on the payroll any day now. Yeah, man. All right, so you said you don't know who Anish Kapoor or Stuart Semple are, so I'll start by explaining. Please assume for this entire episode (laughs) that I lack any sophistication or class or refinement and that I know anything about this world at all. I was entering it with that assumption anyway, but thank you. All right. Go. All right. So Anish Kapoor, definitely a fully grown man. He was born in 1954 and he's become one of the world's wealthiest and most successful artists. Mm -hmm. And I can pretty much guarantee that you have seen one of his most famous artworks. Which is? In Chicago, it's an outdoor sculpture called Cloudgate. The Bean. bean. Everyone calls it The Bean. Yes. He did The Bean. He did The Bean back in 2004. Is it because it reflects the cloud? Correct. But it's shaped like a bean. It is. He had to have known everyone was going to call it The Bean. And I can't tell you how much he hates the fact that everyone calls it The Bean. So we'll circle back to that a little bit later. <laughs> it is a chrome silver bean shaped mm. um, giant object, which by the way, he tried to make it impossible for people to take photographs of that yeah. without authorization. So he had security guards standing on all four sides of it that were stopping Please. people from taking photos until they realized after about 18 months of attempting that, that it was just not going to work for them. But also when did the bean first, when was it first there? 2004. Okay, so that was before the time people realised that photos and sharing things online like that is actually what makes things popular. Correct. Like disseminating that kind of viral content is... People were so dumb back then. Yeah. The dark ages. Anyway, um, so that is his most famous work, but he's been prolific for more than 40 years. Mm -hmm. He was knighted in 2013. Mm -hmm. And usually the sorts of works he creates are those really big, impressive outdoor sculptures and amazing installations. It's always very grand and very expensive. And he's absolutely loaded. Can I, this is probably a question for another time, but Mm. I've always wondered how the artists who do that big, crazy stuff who trusts them the first time to do that? Because I could just go to someone and say, like that giant duck floating on the water, you know, mm. the giant rubber duck here. I could just go to someone and say, I've got a cool art idea. Give me $500,000 to make a giant duck. <laughs> and with money, you can make anything. Mm-hmm. 
Or like that giant dog made of flowers. I've mm. seen that. Mm. Someone's just like, I want to make a giant dog. <laughs> like who decides that he is talented enough that will give him money to make big, crazy things? Well, if any of our listeners know the answer to that, <laughs> they can send us I guess we're asking the question, what is art? <laughs> anyway, like I said, for another episode, <laughs> who decides okay. what is art? Well, maybe Stuart Semple could give us that okay. answer because um, he, also being a fully grown man, is quite a successful artist in his own right. Mm-hmm. He's about 30 years younger than Kapoor, though. And he's the really idealistic sort of artist who believes that art should be free and accessible to everybody uh, and it should be really inclusive. Nothing whereas about Kapoor's it should be like, elitist. no photos. Correct. Right, got yes. it, okay. So he's not about making profit from his works. He's just about spreading joy through his works of art. He calls the audience participants. So it's all kind of... I bet he's rich though, right? I bet he's loaded. Sort of, kind of. He's known for really approachable and fun works and um, he uses just about every medium possible. He does sculptures and he writes music and he does drawings. Probably not, but he did do this really cool thing one time that won him loads of awards because he did mm-hmm. it all around the world. So you know those potato smiley things mm-hmm. that you can bake in the oven? Mm. He essentially made versions of that that were made out of like foam filled with helium so they would float up <gasps> into the sky. So there were all these amazing... Fun. Yeah, plate-sized clouds of smiley faces floating around cities to just help spread some joy. That's cool. Yeah, he I like is. that. I really like Stuart Simple. I Again, have to I ask, who decides? <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that now he's a big famous artist. Mm. So if he's like, I want to do this, people are like, take our money. Mm. But back when he was first starting, who was giving him a million dollars to make giant potato smiley faces? Right in with your answers. <laughs> <laughs> please, please let us know. Art majors, people <sighs> who studied worthless things like Jacob and I, <laughs> let us know. Okay, keep going. Um, So these two have never met, Mm -hmm. but together they participated in what is definitely the pettiest feud that the art world has ever seen. I love pity feuds. So the story started back in 2014 Uh when a company called Surrey Nanosystems announced that they had created a new type of black paint that was the blackest substance on the planet, and they Hmm. named it Vanta Black. They named it Rosie's ex-boyfriend's heart. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Can you tell I haven't, like, performed for a week? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, sorry, Jacob. <laughs> me, me, me. I'm cutting in again. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep going, keep going. Oh, All right. Keep going. Vanta Black, which is um, some language for Rosie's ex-boyfriend's heart, mm-hmm. um, is a special technology that uses these teeny tiny little nanotubes of carbon to trap 99.96% of photons in a little forest of darkness so that they can't escape. So Seems like it's super important that they did that. Yes. Yeah. Good use of time, yeah. money, resources. It's said to be the second blackest thing in the universe just after a black hole. Oh, my God. And it was invented to be used by the military because it would be able to hide stealth aircraft because it would just be this matte black shadow moving in the sky really quickly. And it was going to be helpful for astronomers because it would help block out and absorb any of the ambient light that their telescopes needed to avoid. What if the stealth fighter was flying during the day? (laughs) (laughs) They don't have to be super, super fast. Seems like there's a flaw in this plan. Mm -hmm. 
cool. All right. Blackest black paint. Blackest blackest black. Anyway, um, ultimately one of its most common uses ended up being on faces of watches. So that really. <laughs> so worth it then. <laughs> <Yes>. Worth it. <laughs> I'm so glad. Great scientific minds yeah. devoted themselves to that and for not decades. a cure for Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and it ended up on watch faces. Watch faces, yeah. Excellent. So if you've Lovely, got a cool good. seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars to spend on a really cool watch, you can get a time fee timepiece with a Vanta Black face. But then how do you see the time? Doesn't it make it invisible? You've got white things in front of it that move around. Right. Yes. So it's essentially just black. It's just a wank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason that they've sort of limited it mostly to just putting it on watch faces is it's incredibly expensive. It's really challenging to work with. And they didn't make it available to any artists to use for the first two years until Anish Kapoor came along and said, I've got lots of money. I want to buy the exclusive rights to using Vanta Black for any artwork from now until the rest of time. (sighs) What a... Mm -hmm. Share it around, Anush. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he felt like he was the right person to be doing this because he already had a thing for really, really black Mm. paint. One of his better known works is this hole in an art gallery floor in Portugal. Mm. It's two and a half metres deep Mm. and he's painted all of the sides and the base of it with super, super black paint. So Mm -hmm. it looks like it's just a two-dimensional circle that someone's painted on the floor. And yes, it is so black that a lot of people have been tricked by the optical illusion and, and into tried it. to walk over it. And yes, they've so fallen down. He's basically done the fancy art world version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Or a Wiley Coyote yeah. cartoon, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's art. It's art. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he felt he was going to put Vanta Black to the best use in a really historic way. So he made it totally illegal for any other artist to access the material. And when that was announced, the art world went into an absolute frenzy. They were all furious that this one super wealthy, prestigious artist Mm. had been given access to a material that pretty much every artist ever had been dying to work with since the Renaissance. Mm, mm -hmm. Every artist on the planet wanted to be able to use a paint that was blacker than black just like every woman who's ever been searching for a mascara will fall for that yes. line, blacker Blackest than black. black. Yep. Yeah. And it was really incredible material because you could coat a three-dimensional object in it and then because it would just absorb all the light that would hit it, mm. it would instantly appear to be just a two-dimensional silhouette. So everyone wanted access to it, but no one was allowed to have access except yeah, for Yeah, what a dick move. Mm-hmm. It's just like rich people keeping things for the rich. Correct. And so the one artist who stepped forward and said, I will be the face of this protest. Floating was, potato cake man. Correct. Stuart <laughs> Semple. Okay. So he'd been making his own pigments and paints for years and seeing how greedily Kapoor had Scrooge McDucked away the rights to the world's blackest black inspired Semple to release something that he'd been using in his own creations for some time. And so he started selling the world's pinkest pink, (laughs) which is this jar of super bright neon pink pigment that you could get for just £3.99, which only covers the cost of producing Mm. the product because Simple didn't want to make a profit. He just wanted to make a statement saying, all right, you've got the blackest black, but everyone else in the world can have the pinkest pink (laughs) except for you. Because when you look at his website, it says to this day, this ultra bright paint by Stuart Simple is available to everyone except Anish Kapoor, (laughs) exclamation mark. 
in brackets, who won't share his black exclamation <laughs> mark. That's so good. And then... It, before you can add the product to your basket, it yeah. says, note, by adding this product to your cart, you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. You are in no way affiliated with Anish Kapoor. You are not purchasing this item on behalf of Anish Kapoor or an associate of Anish Kapoor. <gasps> to the best of your knowledge, information and belief, this paint will not make its way into the hands of Anish Kapoor. Hashtag share the black. <laughs> I am living so for this petty drama. <laughs> and it does also come with a disclaimer saying, look, we're not actually sure if this is the pinkest pink ever, but it could well be. It's the pinkest mm. we could come up with and we've not seen anything pinker. But this was all just about making yeah. the statement against Anish Kapoor. Mm. And so, of course, it got sample a decent amount of media attention mm. and lots of news outlets quoted a blog post that he'd put up where he wrote, we all remember kids at school who wouldn't share their colouring pencils, but then... <laughs> They ended up on their own with no friends. Mm. It's cool. Anish can have his black, but the rest of us will be playing with the rainbow. So at this point, Anish Kapoor had access to the blackest black, but no one else did, while everyone else had access to the pinkest pink, <gasps> oh except God, for Anish. So amazing. <laughs> and trust me, it escalates further from Oh my God, so good. Now, you wouldn't really think that this would get under the skin of one of the world's richest and most acclaimed artists, but mm -hmm. it clearly did. Well, if he's the kind of guy who would buy something for an amount that ensures no one else can have it, mm -hmm. then, yeah, I feel like this kind of petty shit would get under his skin. Yes. The other thing that possibly rubbed some salt in the wound was that Semple organised for people to wear a really bright pink lipstick yeah. and go and kiss the bean sculpture <laughs> in Chicago <laughs> on Kapoor's oh birthday. God. I loved Stuart Semple so much. I had no idea uh, that fancy, refined, high society art things were interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Semple's more of like that grungy underground style mm -hmm. artist. And he's got a wicked sense of humour. I love it. So Kapoor saw that Semple's Pink started selling like hotcakes. And Semple was more surprised than anyone about this. He thought he'd sell maybe three jars mm. of this stuff. But the art world went into a frenzy buying jars. What year was this? This is 2016. Okay. Yeah. Well, people love petty feuds, yes. especially when it, with social media. And mm -hmm. I would have bought it just to be part of it. Exactly. And for $3.99. <laughs> yeah. Why not? And they loved having the opportunity to then declare on the record that they were not affiliated with Anish Kapoor <laughs> in any way just by making the purchase. Anyway, a month and a half after Pink is Pink went on sale, yeah. Kapoor retaliated in the most creative and dignified way that a world-renowned artist of his age and stature possibly could. He posted a photo on Instagram. Yeah. And let me describe it to you like I think an art critic might okay. do. <clears throat> So in the background, we can see an open jar of Semple's Pinkest Pink. Mm -hmm. A small amount has been spilled on the clinical white tabletop, <gasps> indicating that the jar was opened in a frenzy of excitement or agitation or <laughs> perhaps both. In the foreground, we see Kapoor's right hand in close-up. The middle finger is extended towards the camera while the rest of the hand is balled tightly, forming a furious fist. We also see that the middle finger, expressing its silent profanity, has been violently dipped deeply into the jar of pink pigment <laughs> just moments before the photograph was taken. Kapoor has shoved his middle finger in Semple's pink. Can I see the photo? Can I 
Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Hello, Steve. Um, we will post this on the yeah, Just let, the we'll Gist post it. Instagram. That sounds like the worst possible reaction because the worst thing you can do in a petty feud is act like you care. Mm-hmm. See, older dudes don't understand social media because what is in is sick. 70s? Yeah, he's one year younger than mum, so he's 66. So he doesn't get it. He doesn't get that the best reaction would have been, oh, my God. <gasps> oh, I really want a jar of that. Ew, and his finger looks. Yep. The um, caption is, up yours, hashtag pink. Yep. Oh, he tried a little hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that's probably not even the right hashtag. It'd need to be like pinkest pink or Stuart Semple pink or... Yep. He has the finger looks okay. Go and take. We'll, we'll post it. <laughs> so he so, did the worst thing. He sh- tried to show he didn't care. Yes, by but in the process showed how much he actually does care. He got one of his people to go and buy him a jar of this pink so mm-hmm. that he could shove his finger in it and then shove it in the face of Who Semple. Who lied followers. when they bought it? So Semple figured that out. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I thought I was just asking a dumb, funny question. No, no, oh. no. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, keep going. I'll get to who that was. Okay. But first, on that post, mm. if you're ever bored, you can just go through and read the 2,000 comments of people who've mm. gone on and commented, and they still do it to this day. Okay, Bean Boy, because they just love <laughs> okay, taunting Okay, Bean him. Boy. <laughs> I'm going to go to it right now. I'm going to do Wait, what's his handle? Dirty Corner. Okay, okay. What do you say? What's the thing everyone says? Okay, okay Bean, Bean Boy. Boy. <laughs> so Semple immediately started investigating to find out how Kapoor had somehow found mm-hmm. a gap in the airtight protocol <laughs> that had been created yes. to prevent him from getting his hands on Pink as Pink. Yeah. So he did some sleuthing and he found out that someone at the Lisson Gallery in London had purchased the paint on Kapoor's behalf <gasps> and he sent a letter to the directors of the Lisson Gallery telling them that they had been, and I quote, very naughty for breaching the terms of the website. <laughs> and he asked very nicely that Mr. Kapoor say sorry for hurting everyone's feelings. <laughs> Um, And it's a brilliant read if you ever have time to read through that letter because he phrases everything the way that a slightly annoyed kindergarten teacher would. Um, And he had two options of the terms that he wanted to settle this dispute. So there was option A, where the Lisson Gallery had to apologise for giving Kapoor pink as pink. Mm -hmm. And Kapoor had to give the pink back because, as Semple said, I don't want him to have it. (laughs) And Kapoor then had to write a hundred lines saying, I will be very nice, I will share my colours. And he had to share an image of that on Instagram once he'd written it all out by hand. Or he could go with option B, which was reimburse the £3.99 and then he had to void his exclusive agreement over the use of Vanta Black mm. in art forevermore. And he signed off the letter saying, if you were to settle as above, I will be more than happy to share all of my colours with him just so he doesn't feel left out and can join in with the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm dying. I'm dying. This Uh, is so good. So then Kapoor just did not respond to that at all. He went completely silent. Mm -hmm. But to keep making his point, Semple continued working with different labs around the world to create another paint product that he'd make available to everyone in the world except Kapoor. (laughs) And this time he came up with the world's glitteriest glitter. (gasps) 
which was the direct opposite to Vantablack in yeah. some ways because Kapoor could access the least reflective substance in the world, but yeah. he couldn't get access to what was now the most reflective substance in the world. Ah, I want it. So Rosie's looking at it now. It's called Diamond Dust and it was a very apt move for Semple to make at this point. Because this time, if Kapoor shoved his finger into this jar of pigment, he would be needing some serious medical attention. Diamond dust is made of teeny tiny shards of very thin broken glass. (laughs) (laughs) So you cannot handle it without gloves and protective gear. Oh, my goodness. Once again, it was made available to anyone who made the legal declaration that they were not Anish Kapoor and they would not be sharing the product with Anish Kapoor. Yeah. And so by this point, based on all of the attention that he was getting, Semple was able to build a really strong community of artists and scientists and activists. And together they began creating an alternative to Vanta Black. So they pulled all their resources and about a year later, they came out with Semple's Better Black. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love him. I love him. So good. Um, now, I also love that this whole thing in itself is a work of art. Yes. This whole situation. That's that the thing. Everything. He's, you can tell he's yeah. acknowledging the fact that we are participants yes. in this, as he would call us. Um, and now we get to become part of it as well because we're publishing something See, talking about this it. This is the kind of cool stuff they need to teach in art in school. Then mm-hmm. I would find it interesting. <laughs> Just add bitter, petty feuds yeah. to any subject and my ears will prick up. Spices it right up. Okay, keep going. So Semple's Better Black didn't absorb quite as much black, mm-hmm. uh, quite as much light as Vanta Black did, but it absorbed almost 98% of visible light rays. Mm. And it had other very significant advantages over Vanta Black because Vanta Black has to be applied by a qualified technician in a special lab under very specific conditions and it can only be used on objects with less than one metre of surface area and it can never be exposed to heat over 100 degrees or it's flammable and it's too dangerous to export out of the UK and it requires serious PPE to handle it and you know, it's wildly expensive. You know what that sounds like? Like, you know that kid who had like a really expensive toy mm. that like like that episode of Friends where Monica has the antique doll's house? Have you seen that? <laughs> this antique doll's house that is like so expensive and so fancy that no one is allowed to touch it or play with it. Mm -hmm. And she won't let Phoebe play with it. So then Phoebe goes away and makes her own doll's house out of cardboard and fun (laughs) stuff. And then everybody wants to play with Phoebe's doll's house and Monica gets shitty Mm -hmm. that no one wants to play with her boring antique wood thing. Yep. So Semple's come up with Phoebe's version of Vanta Black with Better Black because (laughs) Better Black can adhere to just about anything. You only have to use a simple paintbrush or a spray gun or a roller if you want to. It's accessible to everyone. Exactly. It only costs £12 per 100 mil. You can ship worldwide and it smells like black cherries. (laughs) (laughs) Because of course it does. Um, So they'd spent months and put a lot of effort into coming up with this better black for the benefit of all artists, except for Anish Anish Kapoor. Kapoor. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet his smells like grog bog. Oh, yeah. I bet it stinks. It's really chemically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm, You have to wear masks when you're handling it. Yeah. So at this point, Kapoor told the media, all right, I'm planning to sue Semple because he's been using my name um, to draw attention to his own work and also to sell his products. And his lawyers drew up a really threatening press release. 
but Semple was never actually served papers. Kapoor was just threatening that he was going to go to that. the principal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anish Kapoor is the worst. Yes. <laughs> okay. And he didn't have a case. No, of course not. Better Black wasn't making a profit. You're an artist. Sales hit. You can't sue people for talking about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is the point of your job. <laughs> like that. That's so dumb. I'm suing you because you won't let me buy your pretty paint colors. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's stupid. Anyway, so very briefly, Kapoor sort of got the upper hand in a way because Surrey Nanotech announced that they'd created Vanta Black 2.0, which was <laughs> a black that was even blacker than blacker than black. And it was safe to handle and much easier to use than the original Vanta Black. Um, but it still feel- was only available to Anish Kapoor. And I feel like. They're going to make this blacker than blacker than blacker than black. This is the 2.0 best version ever. And I can just see him painting with it and then he just falls into it and disappears <laughs> into like another dimension. Like he just fucking disappears himself into nothingness out of being a dick. Oh. <sighs> um. Within just a couple of weeks of Vanta Black 2.0 coming out, Semple announced that he and his community of creatives and scientists had successfully developed their own Black 2.0, which was even cheaper than the original and available to everyone except Anish Kapoor. You know what I love so much is that Anish Kapoor must be filled with so much anger and resentment and you just know that Stuart Semple and all his people, the whole time they're doing this, are just laughing so much they're crying. Mm-hmm. Like they are just like, oh, he did 2.0, let's do our own 2.0. Yes. And just fucking <laughs> laughing the whole time. <sighs> oh, Can't they win laughter. it just about every turn. Anyway, then after this, the world sort of kept turning and everyone moved on. And then Kapoor decided that he wanted to put an extra floor on top of his studio in London to Mm. give himself more space and more access to light. And the local community in Camberwell were livid because they hadn't been consulted when his plans were approved by council. Mm -hmm. And it was going to mean that a lot of his neighbours would essentially have the sky totally blocked from view when they were inside Mm. their homes and all of their natural light would be taken away. So they knew that the hero they needed to reach out to was Stuart's. Temple. <laughs> they started a change.org petition and they said, Stuart, please can you rally your group of He-Man Kapoor haters and help spread the word about this petition. So to help draw attention to this people's cause and to remind the world of what a monster Kapoor truly is. He literally is a cartoon villain at this point. <laughs> He's literally trying to take away literal sunlight. Yes. <laughs> From the people in his neighbourhood. Like, he is actually the Grinch. Yes. In, yes, very much. Yes. He's such a Grinchy poo. Yeah. And so Semple worked with his team to come up with two more products that played with light in innovative ways uh-huh. to shine a light on the fact that Kapoor yeah. was being such a dick stealing people's sunlight. So he created two paints. One was like a hypercolor one that yeah. reacts to different heat and light in different ways. And the other one's like a living, moving oil slick. They're really, really cool. And you can still buy all of these products on Semple's website, which is culturehustle.com. And you can very easily lose an hour or two 
on there just looking at all the cool tutorial videos of how to use all these cool paints. I want to go and buy all of it. And you can, unless you're Anish Kapoor <laughs> or an associate of Anish Kapoor or you intend to share the paint with Anish Kapoor. I am not Anish Kapoor. <laughs> I want a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> you can buy a T-shirt that says, I on am the not. website that says I am I'm not, not. <laughs> Anish Kapoor. I am not associated oh with Anish God, Kapoor. Oh, my God, I want yes. that. T-shirt. And it's a great buy because it's made of all ethical materials using ethical labour um, and it's all sustainable and the profits, well, there aren't really profits, but it's going towards supporting Stuart Semple and the good work oh that God, he does I fighting the good fight. do anything to put food on his table. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. And they won. So this campaign worked and Kapoor did have to amend his development plan so that he couldn't <laughs> steal sunlight from all of his neighbours. <laughs> Then, over the next few years, Semple and his gang kept getting more and more creative and adding more and more products to their lineup. They called it the artiest art supplies in the world, <laughs> and they created the yellowest yellow and the silveriest silver, and they created this really cool holographic paint and a UV glowing paint, and it was all really affordable and safe to use, and it was not for profit, and none of it was available to Anish Kapoor. <laughs> and in one case, they also made the gold, the goldest gold, unavailable to a guy called Dan. Daniel Smith because he'd done something wrong at one point <laughs> as well, trying to hoard gold paint. And then in another move that was in its own way deliciously shady, Semple released a range of paint potions that were available to all artists. And on the website, it explicitly stated, yes, all artists. It's time the miserable ones had a little bit more colour in their life. Stuart wants to share the rainbow with them. He thinks they need it. So now Anish can purchase one small collection of paints <laughs> from the website should he need it. So he just kept antagonising Kapoor at every step of the way and it was just so perfectly childish and petty. Then... Last year, 2019, Semple released Black 3.0, which is even blacker than Vanta Black <gasps> 2.0 had been. How? They, Just, they did it. They were determined. They're that petty. <laughs> and as a team, they united and found a way yes. to create a blacker than blacker than blacker than black, black paint called it 3.0, made it smell like fresh coffee and made it available to anyone in the world for two pounds. Oh, my God. Except for Anish Kapoor. And what is he doing just sitting in his house alone with his black paint now that isn't even the best one? Just humphing at everyone walking past. Um, and what he won't be doing is then going and visiting the shop that Semple opened up because in London he opened a store that he called Art Shop where all Art of his shop. different paints are available. Oh, my God, I love it. And this was the first time that his products had been sold in a bricks and mortar store, so he had to find a new way to make sure that Kapoor wasn't going to be able to get in and buy or touch any of the merchandise. So he hired a big, burly, full-time security guard to stand <laughs> at the front of the store with a laminated photo of Kapoor's face with oh a big God. red line going through it. And he makes everyone sign a declaration when they enter the store that they are not Anish Kapoor, they are not associated with Anish Kapoor, and they're not planning to share the products with Anish Kapoor. Oh, this has now entered my list of top 10 places I want to go <laughs> yes. in the world. When it reopens, we have We're to going. go. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it opened up in August last year, which means the feud has been going for more than three years. And 
I'm sure that Stuart Semple has more gas in the tank because this is not over yet. Just before the Well, it's COVID- already his magnum opus. Yes. And it's just going to keep going forever. <laughs> So the next chapter in this story, just before the COVID-19 pandemic broke out, Semple and his team set out to create the whitest white. And it was a race because they knew that a bunch of different labs were also working on creating Mm. the whitest white. So Semple rallied his collective and said, right, we've got to beat these different colour labs, these colour criminals who are out there and create the most reflective white pigment possible. And they were taking inspiration from the ghost beetle, which is of everything in the planet, the whitest, whitest thing is the shell of the ghost beetle because Mm. the way that it reflects and refracts the spectrum Mm. um, makes it technically the whitest thing. So that's what they're looking to try to recreate. So the advantage is in... Semple's favour at the moment because he and his artists can do all their work from home, whereas all the different labs are currently shut down. And Ah. if you want to get involved, you can actually volunteer. If you're an artistic type, you can register yourself to be sent different samples of the whitest white as they're producing it right now in real time. Use it in your works and then send your feedback through to Semple and his team of technicians and scientists and whatnot um, so that they can refine the product and then be first to market with the whitest white ever. That will be for everyone. Correct. Yeah. All you have to do to participate is confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. (laughs) You are not in any way involved with Anish Kapoor or 3M DuPont. T-Mobile, who he's got it out for because T-Mobile tried to sue another company for using the colour magenta, Mm -hmm. or Daniel Smith, who's previously been barred from using gold as gold. gold. 3M, by the way, because they will sue anyone who uses canary yellow, the colour of their post-its. That's why they're colour criminals on the list as well. (laughs) And so that, my friend, is where we, for now at least, leave the story of some grown-up men who got into a squabble over who got to use what paints the end. I loved that <laughs> so much. And I got to say at the start, I thought it was going to be boring. I was like, oh, they're just two rich guys. What's this going to be about? Mm-hmm. I love Stuart Semple so much. Like mm-hmm. my favorite people in the world. And it is universally acknowledged that the best people around are the ones who don't take life too seriously. Mm-hmm. And he has literally made mm-hmm. art out of just taking the piss. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is art. I can get behind. I wish that Rosie was here and I know for a fact that if Rosie was here, then she would want to announce you in Oprah Winfrey style by screaming out, we've got Stuart Semple! (laughs) On this episode of Just the Gist, Stuart, thank you so, so much for joining us. Welcome. We're so thrilled and grateful that you've decided to spend some time with us. And um, you are a hero to so many of our listeners. Oh, I can't believe you asked me to come on. I love the episode you made. And um, actually, your listeners are absolutely awesome. They are some of the best humoured, most amazing people after the episode. So many of them reached out to me and they're so supportive. You're so lucky. You've got a whole world of brilliance there. We do have a really, really great team, great little family down here, and um, they'll all be chuffed to hear from you and get some updates on all the cool things that you've been up to over the last 18 months because um, that episode came out May 2020 and time has flown and you have kept yourself busy. Before we get into talking about what you've been up to, though, I would really love to get your point of view as an artist who has a really great 
cheeky sense of humor. Mm-hmm. What's your take on the news story that happened this week about an artist called Jens Harning mm-hmm. and his work, Take the Money and Run? I love it. I, I've got to say it's brilliant. Yeah. It's like a leaf out <laughs> of my book. I think it's brilliant because it does lots of really cool things. So for the listeners that don't know um, what Jens did is he, he was asked to be in an exhibition in, in, a, in a museum mm-hmm. and the exhibition was all about artist rights and employment and fair pay and stuff. And the museum gave him a ton mm. of cash, about 70,000 euros, which I think is over 100,000 in your money, maybe 110,000. And they thought he was just going to frame the money and deliver these artworks to the gallery, which would actually have the cash. <laughs> uh, but he didn't. He, he literally took the money and run. He, he pocketed the cash and gave them the empty canvases back and titled the work Take the Money and Run. And it was kind of a protest about the fact that he felt the museum weren't paying him enough. So it's very clever. It's funny. It's witty. Mm-hmm. It's what art should be. Totally. I thought it was interesting as well that he said it wasn't theft. It was just a breach of contract and that the breach of contract was in itself a work of art. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So apparently in January, his contract says he's got to give the cash back. Um, so until January, uh-huh. we don't know really whether the contract's been breached. But there have been mm-hmm. some well-known conceptual artists who've played with contracts as a type of art, Eve Klein being the most famous. Uh-huh. So it's nothing new, um, but it's really interesting. Yeah, it's not really theft, not returning the money. Could I don't know. It's cool he's pushing it, though. Yeah. Someone's got it. <laughs> if it works, yeah. even more exciting. But, I mean, it's a genius move as well. It's got him so much attention. It's got the exhibition so much attention as well. And there'll be so many people who want to go and see the empty canvases. They want to go and see, yeah. take the money and run, right? Yeah, so the, the museum should be thanking him, right? I'd never heard of them. No one was ever going to go. He's done them a massive favour. He's earned the money. Yeah, fully agree. So big claps for Jens Harning and mm. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens next. It's made my week, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad it's got so much attention. All right, let's get into talking about the cool things that you've been up to because there have been so many. Um, And we ended our episode with a little bit of a kind of cliffhanger, I guess, because at that point you were still in the race, in inverted commas, to create the Mm. whitest white. So we should probably Mm. start with you telling us who ended up creating the whitest white in the end. Oh, my days. This is the biggest nightmare I've ever had. You have no idea what's <laughs> actually, what I've actually been through with this. Um, so basically, Uh-oh. Purdue University have made the, you know, in quotes, the brightest white paint, okay, which they mm-hmm. kind of did before, which, which, which we knew about. This is a couple of years old, this news, but it's blown up in the media in the last sort of few weeks again. But the story hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. So Purdue University essentially have this paint. They're looking for a commercial partner to roll it out. And what we must understand is that um, it's mm-hmm. designed for painting roofs to reflect the sunlight back uh-huh. so that we don't need uh, air conditioning in warm climates. Like where you are, you could paint uh-huh. the roof, you don't need the air con. Right. Uh, yep. Really good, really good environmental mm-hmm. thing, absolutely awesome. At this point in time, we don't know what the commercial partner will do with it, whether it will be available to artists, if we can really Mm -hmm. use it as a paint, blah, 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 blah. Um, But from looking Mm -hmm. at it, Jacob, it's going to be pretty naff for an artist to use. It's very thin. It's designed for painting roofs. You and I aren't going to make anything with it anytime soon. It's likely to be toxic. It's got barium sulfate in it. That's nasty. When you dig it out of the earth, Uh it depletes the mineral reserves. So that's an environmental counterpoint to this argument. There's a lot to it. 
But that's by the by, I've been going through this crazy process for over two and a half years to try and make the brightest mm-hmm. white that we can all use affordably. Mm-hmm. And um, I got it. <gasps> the good news is, yeah, it's crazy. Like last week, I actually painted with this stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, last week I painted with this stuff and it absolutely blew my head off. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So I'm so excited. But it has been cool. the worst drama I've ever been through. We've had pigment factories explode, like literally catch fire. Oh. We've had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've had, um, oh, I don't even know how to start. Shipping containers with ingredients we need stuck in the Suez Canal. We had a, a oh. paint that literally kept growing and we couldn't stop it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just been wild. But yeah, by complete fluke, the pigment that we wanted to use, like the factory caught fire, they do that. Like powders are actually really volatile. People don't know that. Uh So we had to use Mm -hmm. this random weird pigment, which was all we could get our hands on. And by some weird fluke that we don't Mm -hmm. fully understand, it's crazy, this stuff. Um, So yeah, we've got it. We got it. We did it. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And do you have an idea of when you'll be able to make that available to the artist community? <sighs> as soon as I can. As soon as I can. I'm hoping it'll mm-hmm. be this year. I really think I can do it this year. Cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's excellent oh, news. You. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. It will change everything. I had all the faith in the world that you'd get there. Yeah, I, I, I lost the faith a few months ago, but I got it back. You persevered. Good on you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I promise we won't spend the entire time talking about um, he who shall not be named, but will be named, yeah. Anish Kapoor, um, yeah. because there's so many other cool things that you've been up to that we want to talk about. But yeah, you've done a couple of cheeky things over the last 18 months, and I would hate for any of our listeners to not know about it. And I would love for you okay. to talk through what you did, starting off with the song that you helped to collaborate on with an artist called Ruben called Bean Boy. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Bean Boy's a hip-hop single for which I directed the music video. And in the video, Ruben, the performer, is hanging out in a very, very palatial kind of mansion house. His mum goes away for the weekend and he has a bit of a party. But the song's all about Mm -hmm. owning things that perhaps you're not allowed to have and... uh, contracts mm-hmm. that prevent people from having access to things and um the the chorus is um about bean boy if rosie was here she absolutely would be singing the song i won't do that we'll just go ahead <laughs> and play just the song isn't it it's really cool it's an earworm in a good way it gets in your head and it's got a good beat and it's a really cute film clip which you appear in Mm. and there was a bit of a purpose bit of a mission behind this song yeah so like my idea yeah my idea was if we could 
get everyone to listen to it. We could maybe get it charted or get it on the radio. And then he who shall not be named, and I can't name him, might be in his car or going around the supermarket. And then maybe he'd hear it. And then he might think about what he's up to. As yet, we haven't achieved that. But maybe the Gistlers uh-huh. can um, stream it a few times and give us a hand. Drive up those numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We will put the links in the show notes for sure. But, uh, but it was a lot of fun to make. It was so much fun. Oh, it looks like it was an absolute blast. Yeah, and we, and we recorded it in Dean Street Studios in London, which is David Bowie's studio where he recorded all the Tony Visconti stuff. So I got to go there and wow. actually like be in like Bowie's studio and like see this thing be made. And that was like a dream come true. So that was amazing. Very cool. And wasn't there also a petition that went along with that? Oh, there was. There was. No, it wasn't me. No, it oh, okay. wasn't me. There was a petition that was started at the same time, but it wasn't by me. It was by others. And they wanted to rename Cloudgate, the sculpture in Chicago, mm-hmm. The Bean, because they felt like mm-hmm. it was should be called The Bean because it's obviously a bean <laughs> and everyone calls it The Bean. So they set up a petition to rename Cloudgate The Bean. It's already is the bean. Like, <laughs> flip say what you know, call it what it is. Come on and call a thing a thing. Spade to spade. And um, the petition got a lot of people signing it because clearly it uh, should be called a bean. It was ridiculous. People feel passionate about it. They really do. Give up the fight, Anish. Give it up. <laughs> Flipping bean. Give it up. Oh. But, um, you got the opportunity as well to go and review one of Sir Kapoor's exhibitions. Mm, at Horton Hall. So I used to write for an art magazine called Art of England for like years and years and years. So I did actually critique art and mm. look at art and write that. I stopped doing that because I got busy with other stuff. And then um, the writers of Art List, the, the editors, quite a big arts blog, important one, reached out to me and said, look, do you want to re- review mm-hmm. Kapoor's show down at Horton Hall? And I was like, I can't do it. Like, how am I going to do it? That's so weird. But then I thought, (laughs) I really miss writing about art. And then I thought, can I do it in an impartial way? Can I actually put Mm. the man to one side and look at the work as the work? And Mm -hmm. I think what I wrote is really, Mm -hmm. really fair and balanced. I I actually wanted to do a good job. And, you know, you've got the behaviour of somebody and then you've got the work. And, you know... He's a good artist. Like, don't get me wrong. He's made some brilliant things and they deserve to be there and they deserve to be looked at. So I managed to, like, you know, do a straight-up job, I think, and really review the work and say the things I liked, things I didn't like, but on an artistic merit and put the man to one side and look at the work. And that's what I did. I think you succeeded in that. There's no disrespect in there whatsoever. Oh, thank you. Um, You mentioned in there straight away that um, Anish Kapoor was there at the exhibition. Mm. So did you guys get any opportunity to interact? No, no, um, no. I don't think I'd cope. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't think I don't think it'd be fair for him. Like he's got to hate me at this point, and I was there to look at the work. <laughs> you know, had you ever met him before this? Yes, this I began? did. I did, but this was many years ago, and we were in a charity auction together, and it was just a high in passing kind of thing. Um, so no, we never like mm-hmm. chatted or anything, but um, we waved. Things were cordial once, uh huh. Yeah, and yeah. maybe again if he changes his ways yeah yeah i think evil people can change i mean we've seen it yeah true yeah i mean i i believe people can reform Mm. people can reform 
And so just one more thing on Anish before we move on. Um, you've released a couple more black products, which look amazing by the mm-hmm. way. There's Blink, the blackest ink, and yep. Black Mirror, the most reflective black paint. Congratulations yeah, on those. Thank you. But I did notice on the website you don't have to sign a declaration saying that you're not Anish Kapoor or one of mm-hmm. his affiliates in order to purchase either of those items. Was that a conscious choice? Yeah, it was because actually Black 3.0 is the blackest black paint and that challenges Van to Black and mm-hmm. his exclusivity, right? But these, um, he doesn't mm-hmm. own the rights to a super glossy black or a black ink. So there's no need to uh, protest with those because it's not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've Got made it. the point, I think the pink and, and, and the black is black, you know, does that. There's no, there's no need. You know? yep. The work's not about that. Got it. Yeah, point's been made. Um, okay, so moving on from him, you're tackling now some other colour criminals out there. Yeah. And this year so far, we've seen you launch a product called Kleinish Blue, which I think is one of my favourite things that you've ever created. Oh, so please tell you, us about that you, one. thank you, thank you. Yeah, so for those that don't know, there's a very famous conceptual artist called Eve Klein. Uh, and in the 1960s, he made a blue paint. And if you haven't seen it, this stuff's really blue. It like sucks you in. It's very matte. It's very beautiful. Mm. But the formula he made with a with a paint maker in Paris, they uh, patented uh, how to make this paint uh, so that no one else could mm-hmm. use it. But they did that not in a Kapoorish way. They did that in a conceptual art mm-hmm. kind of way to kind of own a colour almost a bit like the contract of what we were talking about before. So Klein's very different. He's a conceptual Mm -hmm. artist. But nevertheless, it means that no one could use it. No one could paint with it. And it's amazing. It's like the most Mm -hmm. beautiful colour you've ever seen. So I've always wanted to um, liberate that for other artists and make that available. So obviously we can't use the term, he calls it international Klein blue, IKB. Mm -hmm. So I called it incredibly Kleinish blue and (laughs) I made it look a bit like Calvin Klein CK1 perfume and it actually smells of Calvin Klein Mm. right and um, it's packaged Mm. like a perfume and it's called incredibly Kleinish blue or easy Klein because his paint was actually really hard to use you had to build up lots of layers Uh we actually got the formula from Paris and actually I've painted with the real thing and it's a bit of a nightmare Uh to use so we wanted to make a really easy version of that so that's what we did and Mm -hmm. um that's now available and that's a good thing. Well done. And was there any sort of backlash to doing that? Because was that treading on sort of intellectual property toes? No, I think we swerved it by calling it a different name and um, making it incredibly finish blue. I mean, we haven't disrupted the patent because it's not made in the same way. It's a different technology, same effect, but not the same process. And it's the process that's protected with this one. And the name. Right, right, right. And is it the exact same colour? Like you couldn't tell the difference side by side? You can't tell the difference, no. It's, it's actually better because the technology is better. Things have progressed since the 1960s, right, in terms of paint. Like it's a much better paint. Yeah. And so it had been just unavailable to anyone from 1960-whatever um, yeah, until I think, this I year. Yeah, I think they've licensed it. They licensed it, his estate, to a couple of people to use. I think like the, there's a theatrical group called the Blue Man Group here in the UK who've had rights to use it. But more or less, yeah, you, you couldn't use it. Okay, and then you turned your attention to another iconic blue, 
Tiffany Blue mm. with a yeah. new paint that you've just launched recently called Tiff, who is absolutely stunning. Tell us about her. This is bad. This is bad. So basically <laughs> nature makes colours, right? Like people need to get the, yeah. into their head that like no colour you make, nature hasn't done before. Like there's even a bird that's mm. blacker than the blackest black, right? So nature's done it. Mm. Colours exist Human beings exist for a small amount of time, but they love to own things. And they love to construct complicated mm-hmm. laws that mean they can control how something is used or not used. And Tiffany, actually, mm-hmm. at, there's like 40 different use classes in a trademark. And about a quarter of them, Tiffany owned the rights for this shade of blue in, which means that you can't really put it on a car, you can't uh-huh. use it on a shop front, you can't use it on a bag, you can't use it on a T-shirt, you can't use it on packaging. You can't. So basically, this particular shade of blue you can't use, but they went one stage further, which is really flipping weird. They entered this strange agreement mm. with Pantone, the colour company, to create a custom colour. Mm. But it's hidden, like all the other colour tones that Pantone have, you and I can access and we can reference them in anything we're Mm -hmm. making. But this one is a secret bespoke colour, which is kind of odd. So anyway, Tiffany um, have had about 20 cases in the last 10 years of like colour infringement that they brought to court. And they're ruthless about this. Um, They really don't like people Mm. using this blue. Obviously, I think that's just ridiculous. It's a flipping colour, and if anybody Mm. wants to use it for anything, fine. Like, fair play, Mm -hmm. paint your sunglasses with it if you want, you know. So we set Mm -hmm. about to make a blue that anyone could paint whatever they want with, sunglasses, bags, or anything. But interestingly, with this one, it really is a bit naughty because it comes in blue packaging, Um, so it itself breaks the rules as to how you can use the colour, right? So it itself is completely illegal from their point of view. Right. And have their lawyers started contacting you? No, but like my my lawyer said it was a really bad idea to do this because he thinks that they probably (laughs) will try and defend it because if they don't, other people might try it on. So they've got to have a heavy hand with me. So I don't, I don't know. So if we want to purchase some, we should get in quick. <laughs> Probably. Before it gets before shut down, potentially. Before they stop me, yeah. I hope that's not the case. I really hope it's not. But I think it's very, very cool that you gave it a shot, even when your lawyer said not to. Well, it doesn't make it right just because it's legal, you know. So it's worth fighting these things. Good on you. Have you got a hit list for the next uh, colours that you're hoping to liberate from the hands of colour um... criminals? Not so much. I mean, I'm really focused on this white at the moment. That's my big thing, mm-hmm. really getting that to everybody before whatever commercial company starts selling the roof paint blocks us from whatever. I just kind of want to get that done. There are others. I mean, 3M own Canary Yellow, which is the post-it notes, UPS have brown, but none of them are that nefarious. They're kind of like, it's sort of all right, but we'll see. Tiffany was the most ravenous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... I would love next to move on to talking a bit about the incredible new gallery that you opened up not that long ago. Giant. Tell us about that. Well, I live in Bournemouth and Bournemouth's a small seaside town that's never had any culture. Well, we Mm -hmm. had music, right, but we had no art and it's pretty deprived culturally. Um, So I always Mm -hmm. dreamt of like having a gallery where anyone could come and see great artworks. So... um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a few months ago we opened Giant, which is the largest artist-run space in England. 
outside London. Wow. And um, I've started to put on shows, yeah, of artist work that I really love and that I want to bring to town for the first time. And um, mm -hmm. it's just been really amazing, Jacob. Like, people love it and they're coming and it's busy. And, you know, everybody said, oh, people in Bournemouth, they're not ready for conceptual art. They won't get it, blah, blah, blah. But it's mm -hmm. just nonsense. We've had everyone through and it's been beautiful. I'm really, really happy with it. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really thrilled with that. It's really wonderful. Mm. Do you have any plans for any um, special exhibitions that are going to be coming up that you'd love to let people know about? We do have lots of Gisners oh. in the UK who may be lucky enough to get themselves oh, cool. over there to Belmont. Yeah, well, come down and visit. Um, well, the, the show at the moment is Big Medicine. You've got Jake and Dinos Chapman, Jim Lambie's built one of his floors. Um, the project space changes all the time. Big big exhibition I'm working on at the moment about rave culture in the 90s and how it changed things and... <laughs> the link between mm -hmm. protest and rave and dance and stuff. So that's coming up. And um, yeah, but I don't want to say too much. Big, big feminist show coming up as well, which would be good. One of the other things that's kept you pretty busy as well, particularly during the pandemic, um, was your activism mm. around trying to make sure that the government was doing more to support the art community over there. Yeah, so yeah. do you want to just take a couple of minutes to fill us in on the sorts of things that you did to help drive awareness and help increase support? Yeah, for sure. So the first thing is like during the lockdown, the government really didn't get it. They were brutal towards artists. They launched this huge advertising campaign and had a picture of a ballerina called Fatima. And on it, it said, retrain, reskill and reboot. And the art world mm. were like, what? This is somebody who spent their life becoming a ballet dancer and you're telling her to retrain mm. and reskill and reboot? And has she considered a job in cyber? <laughs> they put? And I was like, this is ferocious. Mm. Like, I, so many of my friends, man, I can't tell you, musicians, artists, actors, literally struggling, like no support, everything cancelled. And to see our government stick mm. the knife in like that, that was wrong. So I created mm. um, a fake artist's job centre in the middle of London that looked like a real job centre, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a real job centre. Mm -hmm. And it had ads, <laughs> jobs in the window, everything from like crime scene washer, carrot quality control supervisor and all this sort of thing to sort of raise <laughs> a bit of awareness. And we kind of whip, whipped it up. But um, so we did that. And then mm. I um, commissioned a piece of research, which was called the white paper. And if you look at the whitepaper.org, you mm -hmm. can see it. And we actually surveyed 2000 artists to find out how the pandemic affected them and what happened to their mental health and stuff. And then we used that to lobby government to actually realize artists are here and we do mm. contribute and, um, you know, actually what, what what we do. I mean, we do a lot and we were totally being forgotten. So we just sort of like lobbying mm. for that really through those artworks that I made. And I made an exhibition called No Show and I just exhibit. It's a lot like um, what we were talking about with the empty canvases, actually. A load of white, blank, mm. half-finished paintings. So a gallery full of unfinished works and white canvases and it was called No Show. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is the future of art if we don't support it. Mm. Um, so I was doing things like that. And ultimately, were there any changes that you and your collective were able to drive? Sadly not, no. I'd love to say, and we won, and it changed everything. But um, as yet, no real sort of meaningful sort of support or anything for those affected. Yeah. Um, so. Well, look, there'd be a lot of people here in the arts community in Australia who can certainly relate because we're now in a situation where, of course, 
live performances and galleries, everyone is very much affected because most of the country here is still in lockdown. <clears throat> and arts yeah. is the one industry that doesn't yet have a clear roadmap for when they're going to be able to reopen and mm. get back to work and start spreading their artistry. Mm. And it's a real shame that it's been completely deprioritized behind sport. It's ridiculous. But then at the same time, what's keeping you going is Netflix, is listening to music, is reading books is part, mm-hmm. you know the arts actually got us through the through the you know we've come out of lockdown here now but what got us through it was the arts mm-hmm. right and artists making things it keeps morale it's really important but it's interesting how society really kind of doesn't respect art it sees it as a luxury and i think that's so wrong mm-hmm. so wrong it's so upside down yeah. I'm sorry it's like that there as well it's awful And so one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if you've got any advice for anyone who's listening who wants to do something just as an individual to help support the arts community, is there anything that they could do? Well, do you know what? If you've got any spare money, buy an artist's work. That's the most direct Mm -hmm. thing you can do. Go on Instagram, find a young artist, look at their work. If you like it, that few hundred dollars could actually help them feed their family. You get a piece of art and they get some support. Very direct, very beautiful. Just buy the work if you can. Um, If not, then use your voice. Shout about it. Tell people it matters. Explain why it matters. You know, it's an education thing. And anyone can do that. Solid advice, Mr. Semple. And hey, what you purchase could end up being a phenomenal investment for the future as well if that artist ends up making it bigger. Well, at the very least, you'll love it every day when you pass it in the hallway. Yeah, thing of beauty to enhance your life. Yeah. Okay, the next thing, bit of a random, this is not a smooth segue at all, but the next (laughs) thing that I want to talk about, most of our listeners probably already know about this, but I would love for you to describe something that made so many people laugh so loudly last year, your Karen collection of paints. (laughs) Can you please describe (laughs) that as though you've never heard of it before? Okay. I wish I was as witty as Rosie because she'd do this justice, but um, (laughs) I'll do my best. Karen is a beautiful set of deep, rich, matte, beige-coloured acrylic paints with such colours as Manager, No Stars. They're pumpkin spice latte scented and available to all. If, however, you're unsatisfied with your purchase, they come with a direct line to phone the manager and complain. Did that describe them? Oh, I missed the, the key colour. I missed the key colour, Jacob. Uh, live, laugh, love, of course, um, is a statement <laughs> of uh, positivity and what's possible with the paints. Uh, the rallying cry of the Karens, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's called Karen. Really? <laughs> of course. Oh my God, I got so much stick from that. What inspired you? What inspired me? Flipping, do you know what? I get it all the time on social. You can't, how many complaints do I get about nothing? And I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm not making it for you. I'm a conceptual artist. It's totally fine if you don't get it. Please, like, just leave me alone. And I was like, if only I had a phone line they could ring. And the phone line's very funny. Yeah. If anybody finds the camera page, actually just ring up. <laughs> but I, I just had had enough, Jacob. I'd had enough. Someone had to do something about it. 
And then the thing is, I put it out, and then I got even more complaints. It actually brought them out more, and then it didn't work. <laughs> the Karens really don't like it when you call them a Karen. They really don't. <laughs> they really don't. Oh, and if you come for their live, laugh, love posters and cushions, they'll they never really... forgive you. <laughs> no, they defend that. Oh, well, well done. You honestly... I thought they'd like it. <laughs> it's they had everything they love. I mean, you can't please them, Jacob. That's the thing. You make them a whole set of paints. <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte. They don't even appreciate the gesture of the tribute. No. That Karen hotline is no longer active because the entire Karen collection is completely sold out for the time being and because they were just getting swamped with so many calls. But here's what you'd hear if you'd had the chance to call the number before it was oh, shut down. Oh, hi, Karen. What seems to be your problem? Okay, you want to speak to the manager, really? Well, you've come through to my studio. I don't really have a manager. I'm just an artist which shares my paints with other artists, but... Let me see if I can help. What's the problem? Okay, I'm so sorry to hear that, but there's really no need to get so upset about it. I'm sure there's something we can do here. Well, I wish you would. Ah, okay, I get what's going on here. You want me to give you a discount code for culturehustle.com so you can go and fill your basket with all the best art materials in the world so you can upgrade your live, life, laugh posters. Well, fine. Just type OK Karen into the checkout, then you'll get 10% off. Does that make up for the whole situation? Calm down, everything's actually fine. You've got your discount. Now, we don't need to give out Doritos anymore. We're all out of them. I'm sorry the paints can't be used on your cat. I just thought that was quite obvious. Well, feel free to escalate it then if you want. But honestly, there's nobody to escalate it to. It's my thing. There's nobody else here to report it to. And then you went ahead and started up your own podcast. Yeah, I did. I did. As well. Yeah. Congrats on that. Tell us a bit about it. What's the concept? Who's it for? Tell you what, as you know, it's blooming hard work organising it all, isn't it? I mean, uh, (laughs) Mm. yeah. So, no, it's basically for anybody. But what I do is it's a little bit different. So um, I have guests on, a bit like what we're doing, but they tend to be like, quite high profile artists or actors or tv celebrities Mm -hmm. but they're my friends so they're friends of mine who ordinarily you wouldn't really get to hear talk like this so we just kind of hang out and we just talk about whatever we like Mm -hmm. so it might be like a renegade computer hacker or a very famous Mm -hmm. actor and we'll just be hanging out and it's like a fly on the wall thing so it's a chance for you to hear like artists just discussing the world and their work and what they think Mm -hmm. and that's it That's what we do. If there was just one episode that you'd recommend everyone start by listening to, because we often tell Mm. people that the gateway drug to get into just the gist is to start off listening to episode 35, Stuart Semple versus Anish Kapoor, and that's usually what gets people into listening to just the gist. And we're not the only ones who say that. Like, gistners, when they're telling their friends, start with episode 35 and then you can bounce around and listen to them in whatever order you'd like. Do you have a gateway drug episode for the Stuart Semple podcast? The Sarah Maple one is definitely a place to start. Me and Sarah have a really good natter. She's so funny as well. Your listeners will absolutely love Maple. She's got a wicked sense of humour. She's very naughty. She's very good. You'd love her. Yeah, start with Maple. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Thank you. And then 
Before I let you go, I've got a few more questions. Um, I would love for you to describe the artwork that you released. I think it was even just last week. It was very, very recent. It sold out immediately and it was such a cool, unique concept. Love Tone. Mm. Can you tell us about Love Tone? Yeah, let me try and describe this thing because you kind of need to see it. Basically, I wrote a piece of computer code (laughs) that would generate lots and lots and lots of colours. And you've got red, green and blue pixels on a screen, right? And you can set their number between 0 and 255. This is getting very geeky. But Mm -hmm. basically, if 255 times 255 times 255 is 16 plus million colours, loads of colours... And I wanted to make the world's coloriest mm-hmm. color ever. So I wanted to generate all 16 million colors and ram them into one square where every little pixel would be a different color. So what this thing is, is a square that contains 16 and a half million different colors. And interestingly, mm-hmm. because of like the biology of our eyes, your eyes and my eyes, we both got glasses mm-hmm. on, so we might actually be seeing a bit less, can see about a million different colors for a very healthy eye. Mm-hmm. So you can't even see it. So love tone, which is what I call mm-hmm. the thing, you can't even see it. But when you zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, in this print work I made, you can actually see all these pixels and they're all completely different colours. So it's like a whole universe in one little square. Mm-hmm. So that's what I made. It's so cool. Everyone go and check out the photos. Such a unique concept, the coloriest colour. So very Stuart Simple. It's, <laughs> it's weird. Are you likely to make more? No, I can't. I said I'd only make 35 of them. It was a limited edition. It was a little experiment. I don't kind of like, you know, that was it. Been there, done that. I might make a big one, though, or a couple of bigger ones, because I want to see what happens if I blow it up. If we can see all the pixels bigger, then it it might do something interesting. So I might do that, but but that's it. But I did invent an ink, actually, Jacob. Well, I did it, which is screen printed on the bottom, Uh which changes colour in front of your eyes. It's like a multicolored paint. It's a paint that's more than one color. So I might explore that a bit more and make some actual love tone inks that other people can use. That would be cool. That'd be incredible. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I'm excited. Well, let's see, let's see, let's see. It'll be fun to play with it. So I might do that. So you're working on that. You're working on the whitest white. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us anything else that you're working on or anything else that's on the horizon? Well, I'm in my painting studio because I do paint pictures. Like, I'm actually an artist as well. (laughs) So I have to make my own work as well as doing all this Mm. nonsense. So, yeah, I've been in the studio making some new paintings. I've been really focused on that a lot in the the last few weeks. And I'm hoping next year maybe I'll have a painting show of some new stuff. So I'm trying to sort of juggle that as well. Yeah, but that's it really. You've got a good dose of variety going on there in your career, in your world with um everything you're doing with culture hustle and with giant gallery and the works yeah. that you're creating i'm sure you're never bored no i'm never bored but i think the other thing is it's all dri- driven by the idea do you know what i mean so how it comes out it might come out in the form of a gallery or a paint or an art installation or a paint, but it's the idea first and then the execution second which is really important to me in my work and amount some might sound weird but that's mm. why i find myself doing so many weird things like writing code one day making you know <laughs> and, and i love that i love that i'd hate to do one thing all the time horrible well look honestly you've brought so much joy to so many people some of my really close friends included and they actually wanted me to pass that on to you to say a big thank you to you for the laughter and the joy that you've brought them 
anyone that I know who's purchased any of your artiest art supplies has said that they're some of the best things that they've ever, ever used. So if there's anyone out there who's still curious, should they purchase anything? The answer is yes. The quality is exceptional based on all the reviews that I've heard. Before I let you go, is there anything you want to let our listeners know, anything you want to plug, any artists that you want to plug? You've got the mic. No, but I just want to thank you all for having me. And, like, it means the world to me that you, like, what I make is resonating with your community and and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just just really nice to have you there. I'm really glad to have been able to come on. And I don't want to plug anything. I just want to say hi to you all and... Thank you for being there, really. Well, honestly, thank you for all that you do uh, because it certainly keeps us entertained and you're keeping the art world supplied. It's fun. Like, it's a pleasure. Like, it's hardly... Well, that's what's so great and that's why you bring so much joy because you are keeping art fun and keeping all of the stuffiness out of it and the pretense. Yeah, what what is it with all that? It's flipping art. Like, why do people take it so seriously? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's not brain surgery. We can be serious about operating on someone's brain. (laughs) Bizarre. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully we'll have the opportunity to check in with you again at some point and hear more about what you've been up to. Cool. Thanks for having me. Have a lovely day. That's why we love him. He is one of our favourites. Now, I stupidly forgot about one thing I really wanted to talk to Stuart about, which is an artwork he made using his Kleinish blue paint. It's called My Ass on the Line, and it's a series of bright blue bum prints, each one on an individual piece of paper that's then been pegged onto a clothesline. And Stuart, to create this, coated his own butt in Kleinish blue, squatted onto paper, and hung it up on the line. Why? Because Eve Klein used to coat women's torso in his special fancy blue paint and imprint their boobies onto canvases. Those are some of his most famous works. So Stuart's giving a cheeky little nod to Klein's work and also helping to even out the gender balance at the same time by giving the hairy, embarrassing bits of men's bodies the same treatment as women's boozies because hashtag gender dynamics. Okay, this has been fun. I will be back again next week to revisit another story. Get in touch with us if you'd like to. We always love hearing from you. Email us justthegistpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at justthegistpodcast. I'm at Jacob William Stanley. Rosie's at Rosie Borderland. Have a great weekend wherever you are. And remember, don't take anything too seriously. Listener.